Hey everyone, thank you so much for checking out our very belated holiday episode on the movie The Leech. Just wanted to mention a couple things before we get started. One is we apologize for not getting the episode out before the holiday, as we mentioned in the review itself. This has been a particularly difficult month of an already difficult year, and the result is that this is a little bit more of a relaxed slash rambly slash cathartic recording than we normally have. So just wanted to mention that at the top. Also wanted to mention this is a movie that we all enjoyed here, so we absolutely encourage you to check it out before listening to the review. Aside from the fact that we all liked it, the movie also deals with some complicated subject matter such as abortion, which those topics are then discussed in the episode itself. And there is also an element of the movie's ending that leads to a particularly dark ending to this particular episode. So just want to make sure folks have context for that before they get started with the episode itself. So we very much hope you enjoy the movie, and we hope you enjoy this slow descent into madness on this special episode of Scary Stuff. And welcome to a very special episode of the Sunday Squad Podcast. This is Eric Dillinger, joined by co-host Nick Leamy. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Jacob Jones-Goldstein. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Which I have to say, as it's quoting, you know, Home Alone, but it feels so appropriate for the movie we're doing tonight. <laughs> yes, this particular one. Yes, this is our holiday episode. Probably a very belated one. <laughs> I'm not sure it's actually going to come out before the holiday. We're going to try, but... It's kind of apt because these episodes, the past couple of years, our holiday episodes have also kind of functioned as like a year-end episode, kind of, where it's just, yeah. you can know, talk a little bit about the year. And that's kind of appropriate with this because, you know, our first review this year was Freddy's Nightmares, but after that was the After Midnight episode. And we don't, we don't talk about the Freddy's Nightmares episode. <laughs> <laughs> that episode never happened. <laughs> so very first episode of the year was After Midnight, I assure you. But that movie, of course, was starring and written and co-directed by Jeremy Gardner, who also stars in our holiday movie, which is The Leech. Yay! Hey, this is exciting. Uh, I saw this movie back at the Chattanooga Film Festival back in, oh, what was that? May, June, something like that? But it was exciting. We, we talked a little bit about it in the Something in the Dirt episode, because that's when we were talking with Dave, we talked a little bit about the upcoming Shane Brady movie, which is about to get a full release. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's it was picked up by Fandor off the top of my head. Something, Someplace licensed it with exclusive streaming rights. I'm pretty sure it's Fandor. Yeah, something like that. Wherever it, it's streaming by the time this comes out, I think it starts streaming early next year. Go check it out. That movie's great. But that was one of the movies I saw at Chattanooga. And I saw several at Chattanooga this year, and, and one of them was The Leech. Because I saw there was a movie with you know, Jeremy Gardner and Graham Skipper and from the director of Sadistic Intentions. And I said, well, all right, well, I'm not skipping that. So, <laughs> so I watched it and I'd mentioned at the time, I was like, all right, we should probably put this on our radar. We have a Jeremy Gardner film to do for the holidays this year. So Jake is spared from the Black Christmas 2005 or whenever it came out. Jake's the, not the only uh, one. Hey, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I know you watched it, but you were spared from watching it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I might have lied and said I did. If we had to do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I watched it again. I'm ready for this podcast. Whatever the fuck. It is a movie worth lying about. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's funny because one of the other movies I watched kind of to prep for this episode was, was uh, 
Christmas Bloody Christmas. That looks fun. Yeah, streaming on Shudder currently. Streaming on Shudder. And they, they talk a lot about Black Christmas in that. And that also has Grand Skipper and Jeremy Gardner, which is kind of why I watched it in conjunction with this, because I thought it was cool that both of these guys are in two Christmas movies that came out within two weeks of each other. <laughs> yeah. And there's an odd to the director of that movie in this movie. So that movie's, I believe it's written by him, but it's certainly directed by him. I don't have the full IMDb in front of me, but it's directed by Joe Begas, you know, who did VFW and Bliss. And there's a line in this movie uh, when everyone's eating the fried chicken at the dinner table, there's a line. No, I'm sorry. It's it's at the onset of the Never Have I Ever sequence. And she says, that's how I found out my Uncle Begus ate ass. And so it's a reference to Joe Begus, the director of that movie. So. They're very different films. I bet. They are. Both very sumptuous in their use of red and green, though, in different ways. Yes. Leech taking it very much in a kind of Jalo-esque. Yes. You know, very vibrant, like gel lighting way. And Christmas Bloody Christmas taking it in a very neon where i mean it basically looks like someone took like a you know like a highlighter basically and drew on the screen it's so like vivid the way the the colors pop in a lot of that so it's fun you mentioned the red and green and the jalo-esqueness of this film because one of my and i have very few notes on this is there's too much fucking blinking in this film <laughs> it, you know and it's one of those because of the scenes this things kind of get surreal towards the end there's a lot of flashing it is not made for epileptics, no. And I, <laughs> it always makes me, there was the a 12, there was, I don't even know if it was a real song or just something the radio station played where I grew up, C100 out of New York. The 12 Pains of Christmas. Kid. The 12 Pains of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so it is a real song. Well, you know, real enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it made the rounds, yeah. And I, I couldn't tell you anything else about this fucking song, except there's one part, like the number five is the dad trying to set up the christmas tree stringing up the lights and one of them is why the hell are they blinking and i think of this all the time i I like the one after that one goes out they all go out (laughs) see i have no memory of anything other than why the hell are they blinking and the name of the song that that album it does not hold up to modern day standards and i would take that to school and play it for the other kids I I only knew it from the radio station, I think a which would play Bob it. Rivers Christmas. I think that, that might have been it. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a Bob Rivers kind of tune. Yeah. Or Doctor Demento. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Well, yeah. No. I again, I I had never really looked it up or, or thought anything more about, except for that one line. And I I was thinking of that line all through the finale of this film. What the hell are they blinking? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, it's, no. Number five was five months of bills. Four was stringing up the lights. That's it. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Is <laughs> <laughs> it 70% chance I'll listen to that song after we're done recording tonight? Is that going on our Spotify list? It's got to. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Bob Rivers we talked about it. Yeah, it's worth it. We're going to slot that in right next to the warm side of the door, the ultimate Christmas carol. I was about to say, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we, we didn't mention on social media yet. If you haven't listened to warm side of the door yet, everybody go do that. It's the annual obligation every December. That song slaps. It does. Like, I, I, like we, we're long since me listening to that shit, ironically. That is just oh, in yeah. my Christmas mix. And I get I get, with the warm side of it. When that comes on, it's like, aw. And then I remember what it's from, and it's like, aw. So. <laughs> I can't wait for us to do the sequel. Well, technically, we already did half of the sequel. <laughs> because it's half of the That's first true. movie. That's true. It's, yeah, I'm probably going to, over the next week, sit down and watch all four films from our original christmas episode all right we'd even watch nick's pick 
Maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> Santa sleigh. What's wrong with that, Jake? <laughs> I mean, go back and listen to the episode. I explained in detail what's wrong with that. <laughs> it was a little rough. Hey, if you want to try something different, you can swap my pick out with elves. Oh, God. <laughs> well, Eric's reaction tells me enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not a trap at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was out to eat tonight with a few of our friends. And at a really good Cajun place. So, oh man, Cajun food at Christmas feels like a nice new tradition. But uh, sounds good. One of our friends asked me if I'd ever seen the movie Krampus. Yeah. And he said, "You don't listen to our podcast." Clearly, well, I, it was my first thought. <laughs> we were having such a nice night. I didn't want to be a jackass about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's one less Christmas present you need to buy this year, Jay. Oh yeah, <laughs> immediately off the list. Scratch. So we talked a little bit about Krampus and recommended it. And I said, you should double feature it with Rare Exports. Nice. That Rare Exports, you know, after our, our original Christmas episode has become a, you know, a Christmas tradition for me. And the, and the only Christmas movie I've sat down and watched so far is The Ice Harvest. So I'm so sorry. Oh, well, why? So much. It, it, Ice Harvest is great. <laughs> I won't watch it. It's just too depressing. I, I'm sorry. I read, I read that plot and I'm out. <laughs> It's only if you watch the, the director's cut, I think, has the, the sad ending. <laughs> the... What the fuck? You just watched The Leech, and you're telling me Ice Harvest is too depressing? <laughs> I know this was homework, but come on, man. No, The Ice Harvest is very good. It's not depressing. It's bleak, I guess, but not... It's dark comedy, but... Yeah, it's it's far less depressing than this. We watched Spirited instead. It was not as good as I was hoping for. It was kind of meh. <laughs> Well, you should watch Ice Harvest because it is yes. dec- decidedly not meh. I, I just think there are better uh, Christmas choices. There aren't. Here. There aren't. <laughs> that is a factually untrue statement. You gotta let me out of here. You said you were gonna kill me, Roy. I didn't mean it. <laughs> it was Wichita Falls Falls. So, so falls, falls Wichita, Wichita falls. falls. God, I'm gonna watch it again. Now, just cause. Not like, and, and Nick won't watch it. Fuck him. I'm going to watch it again. Make sure, they, make sure they get an extra $3 rental. Actually, I think I bought it, but I definitely, this is, I'm so sad about this. Like I, not real sad, like I'm pathetic sad is like, I own that on DVD. Didn't walk downstairs to watch it. Just uh, bought it on Amazon and watched it on my laptop. <laughs> it's not the first time I've done this. You did that with Blade, didn't you? Because <laughs> it was yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, in terms of picking up movies i i just did that on something related to this movie so before we get into the movie itself one thing i'm going to mention so this movie is directed by eric pennykoff we're going to do the production rundown a little bit so nick will go through his credits and some of the other folks who worked on the film but uh, for folks who've checked out the movie and if you haven't usual spoiler warning we're going to spoil this so go check out the movie first before we dive into it there is a letterboxed article where their Horrorville subsection did an interview with Eric Pennykoff, the writer-director of this, and he listed five movies that influenced this movie. And the five movies he listed were Night of the Hunter, the Robert Mitchum movie directed by Charles Lawton, which is very apparent at one point towards the end of this film with a very particular shot. So Night of the Hunter was a big one. Uh, God Told Me To, the Larry Cohen movie. Oh, nice. Exorcist Three. Yep. Which comes through a bit. Oh, it's also there's some vocal effects that are very Gemini killer-ish at one particular point. Or seemed, the, the particular reverb seemed very. Do you know you're dealing with an artist? <laughs> Four was Black Christmas. 
And then five was Killer Joe, the William Friedkin movie. Hmm. Well, I've seen one of those. You've seen one and a half because you've seen part of Killer Joe. Have I? Because you messaged me on October the 12th. Because this is a chat, <laughs> and I had to go back oh, and screenshot shit. it. Oh, shit, that was Killer Joe. I did see I that then. Forget. So this is the chat verbatim, where Jake messaged me and says... <laughs> I forgot that was the name of that film. Ever see Killer Joe? And my response, why in God's name are you asking me that question? How the hell did Killer Joe come up for you? <laughs> because, fair to say, I was thinking, I was like, has Jake seen... Because it's come up on the pod, you haven't seen Exorcist yet, we're going to fix that. But I was like, yeah. has Jake seen any William Friedkin? I don't think he has. And then I realized, oh, you have. You've seen Blue Chips. But aside from that, I was like, I was like why was Jake looking up? How would Killer Joe come up? on it? And you mentioned it, it was you were traveling and it was on Showtime. So you just put it on and watched it. Yeah, I was in a hotel room flipping channels and it, it was on and I watched a few minutes of it and got kind of hooked in. And then I eventually saw the fairly famous scene from that so i hadn't seen it i'd seen a good amount of william freaking stuff but that was one i'd never gotten around to but i knew from when it came out some of the quote-unquote highlights of that movie so i was aware of the general setup of it now that i think about it yeah i can see that yeah puts the fried chicken sequence at the dinner table in a bit of a different light um (laughs) very different (laughs) very different it's just it's now it's penguin point instead of k fry c because yeah so i was like all right well since it's on eric pennykoff's list i'm finally gonna watch it so i watched it earlier today and i got like five minutes in i was like oh shit i'm gonna buy this <laughs> and yeah and i finished it and then I, I bought it so yeah so on top of what i paid for the leech on blu-ray i now shout out an additional 10 bucks for the killer joe blu-ray so that was an extra so that's in the mail because yeah that's that movie is is as wild as its reputation, and and it is. I don't know what this says about movie, but that movie's very much up my alley in terms of its <laughs> surrealist, absurdist, yeah, but really bleakly absurdist black comedy yeah, that it has going. I just i I had forgotten about that, and I, I remember you having that reaction and thinking, "What what am I watching? What did I get myself?" It's into literally here? like the most flummoxed I've ever been. It was like, "How did Killer Joe?" <laughs> and now I've seen it. Now, yeah, it's it's great. But you can see why it caught my attention when I was flipping channels. Oh, absolutely. You know what? The other thing I was going to watch that had just started when I was flipping channels was the remake of the Elm Street remake, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Which I'm was sorry. our previous episode, yeah. And I didn't watch it at the time because I knew we were we were doing it coming up, and I figured I wanted to have my first viewing in kind of a better situation than that. Fair. Turns out, who would have fucking cared? But... <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate your dedication to preserving the cinematic experience of the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Yeah. So I to pivot to to this movie a little bit. I. I, I All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is all staying in. <laughs> no, 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 it, it, it should. So it's, this, this is going to be a little bit like our, our previous episode with Eric talking about his father and dreams in that there's a reason. So, so it hasn't been a great year. No. It's been a little, been a little rough. It, particularly the last couple of months. I, I yes. you know, A lot is going on. I've had some medical stuff. I am essentially the sole caretaker of my, my 81-year-old mother now who's aging and, you know, going through it a little bit. Uh, I have a 19-year-old cat with cancer, and I've been having trouble, I mean, shockingly, getting into the Christmas spirit of things. I try, 
And another one of the things, and this is going to sound sort of petty in relation to the others, but as we all, as we all know, as I certainly know, and you people probably don't because you're not crazy, the, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones broke up earlier this year. And one of the things I did was my, my Christmas tradition, we went to a three-day Boss Tones concert, oh, uh, me and man, a couple of friends is... from high school, my brother, yep. yeah. every year called the Hometown Throwdown. This, this was, I like this so much, this hopefully won't be the first episode any of my family listens to. Uh, I like this so much more than Christmas because it was like <laughs> I would get away, I, you know, there was no stress. I could just go and we would hang out and wander around Boston, which is a city I love. Just pure joy. Yeah. And just, you know, have no responsibilities. We were just kicking, and, you know, and each night culminated in a fucking Boston's concert, which was great. And they hadn't had one since the last one I went to. I, I had had a surgery, which is going to be very similar to a surgery I have coming up. Oh, I forgot you know, that. Yeah. So I couldn't quite go full on. I mean, these are punk shows. You know, I would come home bruised and, and battered for this, which was great. And oftentimes covered in somebody else's blood. And I've been dwelling on this all holiday season because this is a big thing for me. And it sounds kind of silly, but it's it's like phantom Boston's syndrome or something because, you know, we're not going up. So this is a big part of the thing I've been doing for years and years. So like this whole Christmas has kind of felt off mm-hmm. and I've been trying, you know, I listen to Christmas music. I've been, you know, buying Christmas gifts. We've got our tree up. We haven't trimmed it yet because uh, we like to keep it up for a little while because, again, four stupid cats. Uh, we want them to get used to the tree being there before we put shiny shit on it. And I've been trying, you know, and today was feeling, you know, a little bit better. You had a nice dinner out, as I said, and been kind of getting into it a little bit. By all that is saying, it's, it's been a bleak and a dark year. And then I sat down to watch The Leech and I finished it. And I'm like, this shit was too dark for me. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> like, oh, I'm in a dark mood. And this was like, damn, man. <laughs> cool it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so which is not to say I didn't see what you've done it. eric pentecost <laughs> it's a good movie but it's like holy fuck is this dark and bleak you know in in its entire approach to everything and, and again i liked it but it was one of those like man i gotta i gotta take a step back you know what i watched after this the first thing i watched was the fucking Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer special? That I've been <laughs> nice. Watching years. Nice. This is nice. like, all right, look, I gotta, I gotta correct some things, you know. And then, you know, I watched like the Peanut special. Like, okay, we're gonna level out a little bit. And then I, of course, watched the Ice Harvest, which cheered me up. Is that the one where Snoopy eats like forty-seven femurs? Is that the right? <laughs> There's some. Yes. Like, yes. Okay. But it's not horrific the way you describe it. <laughs> Like, like, what the fuck is Nick talking about? Dog soldiers? Yeah. <laughs> he's got this pile, like 47, like, yeah, he's when Snoopy clutched Woodstock and Woodstock said, I hope I give you the shits. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, and to wrap up that, you know, sob story, I will say that there have been some, some highlights. We, we had our company Christmas party, which normally. It's, it's a good time. It's, you know, all right, company Christmas party sounds bad, but it was the first time uh, I'd been in a room with five of my seven, eight of my best friends in a long time together. Love you, boo. So that was great. And, you know, like I had dinner out with friends tonight. And, you know, so there's, there, there is upside. I'm, I'm like, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm in, a, in a hole here. I'm just, it's been rough. And this movie was rougher. Uh, so, <laughs> so had to had to course correct a little bit after it. That's all I'm saying. This is a dark fucking movie. It's funny. Hilarious. It, I mean, it, it is, but it's when, when I saw it back in Chattanooga and, and like I'd mentioned at the time, I said, you know, let's, 
tentatively pencil in doing the leech when when christmas comes around because what i thought you know like there's all the bleak stuff i was like you know but jeremy gardner is is gets to be jeremy gardner so much in this film he's phenomenal like, in it. it oh yeah it will make it worth it no matter what so, so it's kind of like some does. of the darkness of it didn't completely register with me i mean it does but it was like eh. yeah and, and and i don't want it to i did enjoy it i thought everybody's performance was great jeremy gardner made this film for me like as he often does because his performance is fantastic. And he's got a couple of lines in here that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> well, before we get too far into the film, Nick, you want to do the production rundown? I would love to. Awesome. Today we are discussing The Leech, released in 2022. Written and directed by Eric Pennykoff, who also was involved with Statistic Intentions, Amos for Mariachi, The Pod, and The ABCs of Death 2.5. Still need to see that one. 2.5? Yeah. I didn't know there was a 2.5. There is a 2.5. Oh. I did watch his short, The Pod, which is on YouTube. It's also on, I think it's on this Blu-ray for The Leech, but I haven't gone through all the extras on this. I will mention real quick, if anyone, if you see this movie, I, I'm guessing it's available for rental. I'm guessing it's on Arrow's, it's put out by Arrow Video and they have their own streaming service. So you can probably get it there. I haven't checked, but. I know you can get it on Amazon. Yeah, I got the Blu-ray the day it came out, so I didn't really look into any of the VOD stuff. But I'll say is, one of the fun things about them doing it at Chattanooga was at Chattanooga, they had a live commentary for it with Pennykoff, Gardner, a whole bunch of folks, you know, all in different places, but they did a live commentary. They did a big Q&A for it. There were all a lot of fun. And both of those are on the Blu-ray as bonus features, oh, nice. in addition to a director-producer commentary and some interview featurettes and some other stuff. So it's it's a very good Blu-ray. And if you missed it at Chattanooga, you get all the fun stuff that they did there on this. So just want to throw that out there. I, yeah, I watched it on Amazon. It was it was kind of different because, you know, I was planning a rent in it. It wasn't available for rent. It was available to buy digitally, but it was only like four bucks to buy it. And I, I would absolutely recommend yeah. doing that. Yeah, I don't was, know if that was a special or. It was the same cost of, the of rent so we just it. bought. Yeah. Nope, like, it wasn't even <laughs> available to rent when I when I looked at oh, it. Okay. And, I probably would have bought it anyway. I have it because yeah, we've yeah. discussed a tendency to do that with digital films, but like the ice harvest, which Nick should watch now. <laughs> Just now. It's been our, our, our trend for 2022 is we keep accumulating like crime noir <laughs> movies that we need to force Nick to watch. Cause we already <laughs> talked about kid detective. Pretty sure I brought up one false move when we talked about the thing and now we got the ice harvest. So. I'm willing to watch two out of three of those. You will like the Ice Harvest. You won't eat a single quarter while watching the Ice Harvest. <laughs> Check our Lord of Illusions episode for context on that reference. With Dwayne Sierzynski, who's a crime writer. Dwayne Sierzynski, I'm sure, liked the Ice Harvest. I'm sure, I'm sure he, he did. did. I'm sure he liked the novel, too, by Scott Phillips. I'm, I've been meaning to read the book for years. but Yeah, me too. Edited by Bobby Sherbert, who also edited Statistic Intentions. And that's it. Cinematography by Romel Genciana. I apologize if I mispronounced that. They also were cinematographer on City, ABCs of Death 2.5, and Flat Screen. Also was a gaffer on a lot of stuff, which the only one I'll mention was I, just because it popped when I pulled up Rommel's IMDb. Was, Rommel was apparently a gaffer on Blue Ruin, Ooh. the Jeremy Saulnier movie, which is a crime movie I'm also very fond of that we should probably force Nick to watch at some point. <laughs> We're, we're going to have a crime noir week. We're going to turn horror week into a crime noir weekend and just strap Nick down and make him watch awful people do awful shit to other people, but with no supernatural. Uh, then do Jeremy Saunier's next movie, Green Room, which uh, 
which we've talked about in relation to Nick before. Jake and I saw Green Room in theaters, and I know it's supposed to be good. It just sounds you haven't seen bleak as shit. It is bleak as shit. <laughs> like that's so is Blue Ruin. Your reaction to Ice Harvest is what your reaction to, to Green Room should be. Oh, this is this is gonna bug me this entire episode because I know you would fucking love this movie if you watched it. Yes, <laughs> Turkey Lurkey. <laughs> Music by Eric Romery, <laughs> who also did music for Sadistic Intentions, Night Still Young, and Doomsday. Visual effects by James Seward, who worked on Like Me, Depraved, and Stray Bullets. Makeup by Hannah Dorian, who worked on The Stray and Disconnected. And the production company for this, of course, was Doom Croak Pictures, who it was created just for this, they've done nothing else. And distributed... By Arrow Films. God bless them. Yeah. Who distributed other such classics as Carrie, Pitch Black, Climax, Hellraiser, An American Werewolf in London, Tremors, Christmas Evil, Life Force, Audition, and Candyman. And if I tilt my head to the side, you can see a big blue box behind me on the top of the bookshelf, which is the Arrow Shaw Scope set, which they're also the distributor of. That's the first one. They just put out a second one I need to get. They're putting out these massive eight to 10 film Blu-ray box sets of different Shaw brothers movies. Nice. And they're very, very good. They're, the transfers are good. Yeah. Arrow does good stuff. Their, their Blu-rays are great. So yeah, I, I really love Arrow video. I'll, I'll mention one randomly was, I did want to mention the sound editor just cause I was looking up like some of the sound folks on the film and the sound editor on this was Sean Duffy, who I figured I'd mention because he was the re-recording mixer on Christmas, bloody Christmas. <laughs> which we just talked about, which is that now. Which we're about to talk about again. I'll tell you why in a second. <laughs> uh, Bliss, another Joe Begas movie, Sadistic Intentions, which was Eric Pentecost's other feature film, uh, Block Island Sound, and Something in the Dirt. So I was like, hey, so we did Something in the Dirt a few episodes ago. So. They did the sound on Block Island Sound? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's on Netflix, I, right? I have. It's it's neat. Yeah, I, I want to watch it. I heard good things. It, it is a slow burn film, but it's I, I very much enjoyed it. You know, it, it, it'd make a good companion to um, Midnight Mass, actually, sort of. You're looking for something not quite like Midnight Mass, but a similar vibe to the, the town and the characters. Block Island sound would be a good one. Just a couple other ones uh, that I want to go through that Nick left off. So um, The Ice Harvest is from 2005. It was directed by Harold Ramis, <laughs> who directed Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Vacation, Groundhog Day, Multiplicity. We mentioned Multiplicity on another episode at some point this year. It's based on a novel by Scott Phillips. No. Oh, shit, I forgot. John Cusack, Oliver Platt. Wait a minute. You got to give me a minute. I, I totally forgot that the screenplay for that was written by Bob Benton. Holy shit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Bob Benton's awesome. Bob Benton's the the writer-director of Nobody's Fool. Uh, he directed Billy Bathgate, uh, Twilight, Twilight. Oh, we were talking about crime. There's another movie we can make Nick watch. Twilight, the crime movie with Paul Newman, Gene Hackman. That movie's great. Wait, the Ice Harvest. Yeah. Yes. That's oh, yeah, that, that's a great movie. But what do you think we were talking about? What the fuck? What? <laughs> you said it was. He didn't want to see it because it was too sad. You can't backpedal now. But I'm fascinated to know what you were confusing it for. You were talking about the Ice Storm, weren't you? Yes. The Ice Storm was depressing as shit. Nobody should watch that. <laughs> so the Ice Storm is directed by Ang Lee, director of Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> Eat, drink, man, woman. <laughs> yes. It's written have... by James Seamus. Wow, I can name all these off the top of my head. I have how seen. Many, how many ice movies did you think John Cusack was in? <laughs> I, 
set in Wichita Falls. <laughs> so Cool as Ice is a movie starring Vanilla Ice from, <laughs> I'm from a, 1991. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little off tonight, folks. Sorry. <laughs> directed by David Kellogg. The ar- Ice Harvest is actually a lot of fun. Wow, he directed the Inspector Gadget movie. Holy shit. I enjoy the Ice Harvest very much, Lee. Well, I feel vindicated because I knew you'd like it. Yeah, you're right. I think we actually watched it together, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but now you're watching the Ice Store. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now you got... You, you, you dug that hole now. Oh, oh, dear God. Oh, Lord save me. <laughs> So hold on, I, I I just gotta just gotta process this for a second because in the course of the last thirty four minutes, we mentioned the name of the movie, where it takes place, the ending, who's in John it, John Cusack, Oliver Platt, and it was like, oh Harold Ramis, oh yeah, I have seen that. No, he's it's... the director. <laughs> How is that the trigger? I legit thought that oh when you multiplicity said... shit. That's right, I have seen this. I, I legit thought when you're, you're, that you were referencing Ice Harvest, the actual film, when you said in Sioux Falls, the Sioux Falls. And I, and I got that, but I thought it was separate. And then he started listing off the people involved in the film. I'm like, wait, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so when I said the whole bit about you got to let me out of here, Charlie, you said you were going to kill me, Roy. I didn't mean it. That <laughs> exchange was like, yeah, that was a scene between Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. Right? <laughs> <laughs> To be fair. When they're banging in the backseat of the car fair. after the key party, or I forget who fucks who in that, but I just yeah. I don't know. Party, I, I haven't seen it, which is why I wasn't necessarily <laughs> connecting your references to it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought earlier, I was like, "There's a chance Nick's mixing this up with something," but what could he be mixing it up with? It's like, it's like Blood Harvest or some horror movie that has Harvest in the like title. Iceman cometh. <laughs> yeah, Iceman. <laughs> I'm not sitting through four hours that Eugene O'Neill shit. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. So the Iceman Cometh adaptation is directed by John Frankenheimer. <laughs> it's, it stars Lee Marvin. <laughs> I was just looking at the Blu-ray of that this week, too. <laughs> oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Are you ready to hear about the actors? <laughs> Yeah, tell me what Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver have been in, by all means. <laughs> the cast of the Fish ice called store. Wanda, Alien, <laughs> Aliens. By all means, Nick. <laughs> After you proceed. <laughs> so, Terry. Remember when I said we should forget about our Freddy's Nightmares episode? <laughs> now we're ending our year with another episode. It's going to be just like... Oh my. Nobody bring up fucking cartoons. <laughs> this is not nearly that bad. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that bad yet. So let's talk about the Cosmic Christmas cartoon. Moving on <laughs> to the actors. Terry is played by Jeremy Gardner, God bless him, who we've seen in various things, such as The Battery, After Midnight, yes. Springs, Christmas, buddy, Christmas. Tex Montana will survive. And then Father David is played by Graham Skipper. So let me just interrupt here because we, we mentioned Jeremy Gardner and Graham Skipper. And you're about to say that Graham Skipper was also in Christmas, bloody Christmas, as was Jeremy Gardner. Or maybe you're not, but I'm telling you. And <laughs> I just want to say also featured in Christmas, bloody Christmas is Abraham Ben Ruby. Mm-hmm. He actually plays the Santa. The, the Santa in it. 
Abraham Ben Ruby played an orderly in season three, episode 19, curriculum unavailable uh, of community. So he is our community connection. Hey. Funny thing about this is this is the same episode that our previous episode community connection was about because the can I fry that guy? This was oh, that, that episode. episode. <laughs> and I, I like I like the symmetry on that. We're ending the year already talking about curriculum unavailable, which is a pretty good episode. Not one of my favorites, but certainly a good one. Uh, <laughs> and Abraham Ben Ruby is just awesome. So I had to bring him up. He was in a lot of stuff. Including the program, which was a football movie I that I tend to forget exists when people ask me about my favorite sports movies. But I fucking loved this movie back in the day. And I kind of want to go back and watch it, but I also kind of don't. The James Conn one, right? Yeah. Because it's one of those is like, I love this movie. It feels like a bad idea to go back and watch this one again. But I remember, do you remember that just, this is completely non sequitur, but here we are. Do you remember the, the controversy about the program? Uh, I remember there was one. I can't remember what it was. Like something about like it. They were worried it was going to inspire like real life hazing or something like yeah. that. There's a scene in that where a couple of the characters in the, the QB lies down on the the median strips in rows. Yes, like the, yes, the it's in the trailer. And they were yeah. worried that kids were gonna were gonna start doing that as a as a dare kind of thing, which maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Who knows? But uh, I never felt inspired by that to do that. So anyway, Shit, no. That's that's our community connection. Abraham Ben Ruby in. Awesome. Christmas, uh, Christmas, bloody Christmas. Yay. Via Graham Skipper. Awesome. And Jeremy Gardner. Yeah, Father David played by Graham Skipper, who was also in Space Clown, Almost <laughs> Human, and Beyond the Gates. Oh, we saw Beyond the Gates. Yes, we That's did. That's the yeah. VHS one. Yeah. Right? Yep. We've, seen, we've absolutely seen Graham Skipper before. Graham Skipper's awesome. Graham Skipper, also the host of the Night School podcast. I think his book just came out, The uh, Ultimated Illustrated Guide to Godzilla. And very importantly... We talked about this a little bit back in our Something in the Dirt episode. He's going to be a contributor to Haunted Reels, the anthology that Dave Lawson Jr. is putting together that's going to be coming out from Love it. Dark Matter, Inc. So, yeah, that's awesome. So that's coming out summerish, I think, of next year. I don't think there's a full date yet, but... Can't wait till I have a copy in my hands. Lexi is played by Taylor Zotka mm-hmm. from Fingers, After Midnight, and Statistic Intentions. And Rigo is played by Rigo Garay from Size Up. Miss Millie in the slightest touch. I love it when people in movies use their real names as their character names. I always wonder if they do it because why not, or just easier for them to hit cues, or just they, you know, they, we, well, you got a character named Rigo, and somebody came into audition named Rigo, and we're like, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, your name's better than we have written down. No, they, they talk about their friendship with Rigo on the commentaries. I can't remember what they say, though. It's, it's been a little while since I listened to the commentaries. So, yeah, he's. He's very good in this too, for yeah. as being the, the 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 face of incredulity and, and all the you know nonsense going on and yep you know the voice of reason at points. I don't know. I just like it when that happens. Always makes me happy. So awesome! Thank you for the rundown, Nick. Anytime. So we know Jake thought it was good, but dark as hell. Nick, what'd you and Hannah think? Did you watch it with Hannah? I did. She didn't make it through. It was, it was we had a rough week, so she actually fell asleep uh, halfway through. Uh, <laughs> Which you know is fair and maybe better off because bleak as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and and I have to say, I feel like the film kind of left itself open for interpretation one way or the other, maybe a little too heavily, which left it. You think? Kind of, I do. Yeah, I, I feel it. It very easily could have gone one of two ways, and because of that. It left me wanting answers, honestly. I wanted more. Oh, see, I liked it. I liked it so much. And I respect the choice. It just didn't work for me. I I gotta say, it didn't quite work for me either. I Really? 
Yeah, th- there was an element of, you know, when it when it really gets kind of surreal towards the end, you know, whether he's, you know, going mad or not, then obviously I often have a problem with similar things. Mm. But for this particular movie, I think it would have, it felt like it would have hit a little bit harder or, you know, felt a little bit more true if without the surreality. Surre- surreality? Surre- I, I, the surrealness of it, I feel, is fine as long as you can somehow find an anchor by the end <laughs> you know something yeah something well, that brings I, I you mean, back but, down yeah the, well surrealness plays into the whole kind of dilemma of of the movie is so they establish yeah, yeah. you know early on that this you know the father david is in a disturbed mental state like even aside from again taking rigo as sort of the the through line of the film as far as the voice of reason and the person who you know would, would say something like what Rigo says can ostensibly be trusted by the audience, whereas everyone else is to some degree unreliable. Yes. You know, Rigo has a thing, which from what Rigo says to Father David, Father David is clearly mentally disturbed. And, and ergo, all yeah. the stuff in the climax is is plays into that whole thing of which way do you want to go? Do you want to view this as Jeremy Gardner's the devil or do you want to view it as he's just nuts? Right. Yeah. I, and I. I don't know. I it felt to me like it should have been just a more human thing, like just increasingly awful people doing increasingly awful things. What was what's the the one that came out this year? The oh, Swedish or something about the awful people doing awful things? Oh, not um, like happy, not like happy speak now or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Let's I'm not going to watch that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll see, but. I thought we were going in kind of that direction. Actually, for the longest time, I thought we were going to find out he was a serial killer, but, uh, and maybe we did. Well, <laughs> but because they kept referencing, you know, the, the boiler in the basement and the power box, and then they just kind of never went anywhere with it. Nope. Oh, now you, oh man, what's the name of it? <laughs> you're driving me nuts. Cause you, the movie you're talking about, is it the movie I'm thinking of? There's, there's a separate movie. It's a, uh, I believe it's a Danish movie. It's been years since I've seen it. Was it like not everything? Anything goes. What the hell was the name of it? But it's the same thing. The principle is it's a character who speak no evil is the one. Speak I'm no evil is the one you're thinking of. Yeah, and I can't. God, I got. I, at some point, I'm gonna need to look it up. But there's a movie. There's another. What I think is a Danish horror movie about someone who's a super religious character, except he's he, he's an absolute devout. He's an absolute diehard. And he's just like you know adheres absolutely to the word of the New Testament. And, the Wicker Man. And, <laughs> no, no, no summer aisle in this one. No, and he hmm. and he ends up with this family, and I forget how he ends up with them. And it's basically like anything they ask him to do, he'll do because he's interested in the kind of how this movie opens with the Golden Rule thing, the whole love thy neighbor. And they end up basically torturing him, and where it's kind of spirals into, and he ends up you know getting, and it's this very social commentary sort of movie. God, I can't remember the name of it, and it's such a brutal fucking movie. Why am I blanking on the name? So now that's going to be bugging me for the rest of the review. Sorry. But so, okay, I see that. But that that was an element. I It was one of the things I... So I quite like this movie. I mean, yes. I, I went in to see it. Uh, I like Sadistic Contentions. And with this one, I was like, all right, well, Jeremy Gardner's in it. So it's it's going to be, you know, so long as he's in it, a reasonable amount. I know it's not going to be dull. <laughs> We've talked before about Tex Montana, which is just Jeremy Gardner and a camera for 90 minutes. And it's... I think that movie's fucking great. But I came out of this, I was like, I, I really, really dug it. And one of the things I really, really dug about it was I, I actually thought it did a very good job balancing that particular element in terms of not going overboard on the, you know, because it's, 
like I was actually watching it in that finale. I'm like, oh, please don't don't end with a shot of Jeremy Gardner with red horns and and flames and shit. Don't don't go that. That far. I respect. Yeah. And so I was glad they didn't. And just for me, I was like, okay, it, it's same. I was I was worried it was going to dip too far. So yeah, the surreal elements of it actually worked for the most part. I thought worked pretty well. Don't get me wrong. I I liked the kind of surreal fever dreamness of it all mm. and how it was just kind of like becoming bedlam. But at the end of the film, I'm like, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, I could say that if you're going into it just to have a kind of fever dream experience, it's a perfect film for you. It's great. And I like the beginning and I like most of it, it has great elements. It, it's That's my only complaint is I feel that the ending could have been a little bit more I guess tight, but no, I I too agree that they didn't we, go over the top. Yeah, we got a a movie that ends with Graham Skipper cosplaying as Dark Man <laughs> <laughs> explicitly, <laughs> and, and is sitting in a rocking chair with a shotgun on a night of the hunter. And it's like, could have been better. No, it couldn't. <laughs> Graham Skipper with a shotgun dressed as Dark Man recreating the shot of the hunter. It's great. <laughs> No, I get it. <laughs> I understand. It's like, of all things I expected Nick to have an issue with, the Dark Man portion of the movie was not the portion I was expecting. <laughs> but no, it was, it was like, I I don't want to get political, but I feel like there's it's hard to avoid the political parts. It's hard film. to avoid with this film. Yeah. yeah you saying, know, it's. Oh, good. I'm not going to be the first. Yeah. yeah I don't Nick. know <laughs> if this film is pro choice or pro life. You know, it's. It, really? It's, it could go either way. I feel it leaves itself too open, and therefore, depending upon your viewpoint, you're going to fall one way or the other. I feel it's pro-choice, and that the, he was the devil, and that that was the Antichrist, and it should have been aborted with a shotgun blast. You know, and that was my feeling of the matter. And I feel the priest failed in his duties by, like, giving in to his faulted belief system. That would be my take on it, personally. Wow. Okay. But I, I honestly feel like the film could easily be the other way around, too. It, I thought it very much. I mean, because the, the one character in it who's who's pro-life, I mean, aside from Jeremy Gardner, has some lines about, no, we got to keep it. But he says particularly because it's it's ours. Like, yep. he immediately says, like, we, it's We both, both came in for that night. <laughs> Apparently that line was under dispute. Like, the, the line, I think, in the finished film is we both popped one off in her. Yeah. Jeremy Gardner yeah. wanted to change it to we both squeezed the cheese. <laughs> oh god like it's listen to the commentary of them talking about choices of particular verbiage for instance there's a there's a line in here in, in the it's in the never have i ever seen where they talk about getting thrown out of clubs and jeremy gardner makes a reference to getting tossed out of the tit and when i heard that i saw oh, that was the name of a fictional strip joint but apparently that's like verbiage in some portion of the country for just strip clubs huh. it's just a generic name for strip clubs is the tit Okay. Never knew that was a thing, but it comes up on the commentary because it was one of the things they had to explain to Jeremy Gardner. So, yeah. I've never heard that before in my life. Same. Never either. So we know it's not Florida and Delaware. <laughs> so, <laughs> so ruled that out, but yeah. But no, I mean, the yeah, the one character who like explicitly espouses the, the pro-life stigma is the lunatic with a shady past <laughs> who's like right? even... Even dispensing of any potential antichrist implications of the, of the final sequence or of that you know thing that needs to be destroyed is like even aside from that like it's the person espousing this opinion 
is clearly one of the things crazy. I, I, yeah. One of the things I liked so much in going back and rewatching it was really listening to his opening sermon. It's so awkward. But it also sets up the whole thing. <laughs> well, it particularly too, like the like it's this whole thing, you know, uh, speech about the golden rule and whatnot. But like when he's his intro into, and we talked about this a little bit too in the Midnight Mass review. How we kind of Jake talked a lot about, you know, Jake's parents are both ministers. You know, I spent a decent chunk of my childhood in a Methodist church, so we kind of <laughs> zone in on sermon. Like, All right, how authentic is this? And. When he's going into the golden rule thing and right down it, and he's he's talking about why it's important to give it yourself, and he says, you know, it's important that we give these gifts to those in need because the recipient could be an angel or a prophet or Jesus himself in disguise, and like that's the lead in is is not you know because morally it's the right thing to do. It's you got to do this because it could benefit your or you could get caught if you. It's it it immediately has that coming at the the morality from an askew angle and yep. then just keeps deteriorating from there. It's got that prosperity gospel bullshit yeah. drenched all yeah. over it. And and it's something again that's that I thought they they threaded the oh, needle. Sorry, not to get political. I forgot to preface that. <laughs> yeah, that's something I thought the, the movie did pretty well. But yeah, I the it's funny like the potential debate I figured coming out of this was going to be similar to the the potential debate a lot of people had with Midnight Mass, which is is this movie anti-religion or is it anti-not the yeah that, I, my read me again won't pretend to know eric pennykoff's political opinions i don't think he's mentioned it specifically in any of the interviews i've seen but yeah my read on it was it absolutely is a pro-choice movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i didn't read this as like it, i thought it was kind of explicitly pro-choice making a certain level of fun of anti-abortion mm-hmm. yeah well, but I particularly like in the scene where it first comes up in the confessional sequence, the bit where who we, we think initially is the voice of Lexi is talking to Father David and mentions the whole, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm thinking about getting rid of it. And the look that comes across Father David's face at that particular point, which is, you know, because as found out, the, he doesn't exactly have a lot of dealings with his parishioners in this church. Because there aren't any, aside from Rigo. So when the person in the confession booth we think is Lexi drops the line about, I'm thinking of getting rid of it. The look that passes over Graham Skipper's face when he realizes he's had, you know, the subject of abortion has come up. He has this look that goes over his face like, okay, we've trained for this. Like, like it's clear he's never like had to really have that discussion with somebody in the confessional booth before about you know his perception of the sanctity of life so i thought he played it well like oh shit what am i all right here's what i'm supposed to say on this as, as mm-hmm. far as it, yeah it's all bullshit he's very bumbling nothing he says is to be trusted so yep and nothing he says is right so. i don't even think he's a priest he's not a community leader it's very clear he is failed There's no community <laughs> yeah well well that's the question is he bad at being a community leader because he has no community to practice with? Or does he have no community because he's just a bad community leader? Is the church failing due to his lack of ability and, and lack of ability to lead proper? I would say yes. Uh, like I said, I, I question that he's even a priest by the end of this. It's just a dude who has a white collar and found an abandoned church where, you know, homeless <laughs> dudes are sleeping in <laughs> yeah. and decided he was a priest. because yeah, Because you can't trust anything in the film. Right. So... You know, there's. I think there's reason to question that portion of it. Fair. Not a lot. I mean, it, it, I I wouldn't say that this movie is like explicitly anti-religion, but it's not no. exactly pro-Catholic. 
but uh no i think it, it's i mentioned it because it occurred to me that it was something that by the nature of where the film goes it was like all right that's probably going to come up it was something that certainly came up with midnight mass i think i said my answer to that is the same thing as what my take on midnight mass was it was like no it's not it, the movie doesn't come off as anti-religion it, it comes off same thing as it's anti malintent it's anti-hypocrisy it's anti yes. you yeah. know, the, the human failings that then wield religion as a cudgel yeah you know, for for particular worldview so it was, yeah, in, in that respect i thought it was very much the same as midnight mass agreed yeah. maybe a little funnier than midnight mass <laughs> <laughs> like i i laughed it was you know oh i'm what i'm celibate i mean you got both parts <laughs> i i got a good laugh at that one the other one was uh Jeremy Gardner's deadpan delivery. Last night, when we fucked. <laughs> still no fucking and sucking. It's fine. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> no, there were a lot of lines in this that made me laugh. I, you know, I thought everyone in this, I think, is terrific. Uh, yes. My favorite laugh in the film, actually, is it's a little thing. It's not even one of the quips. It's at the end of the, the Penguin Point dinner sequence where everyone's eating the chicken. <laughs> and Father David busts out the Bible that he wants to give him. And it's not like, you know, it's like, you know, I've been, been handed Bibles by like Gideon's before. And they always give you the little thing that you can like, you know, pocket, you know, it's, yeah. it's hefty, but you can, you can slide it in a pants pocket. And he brings out the coffee table. Like we had one of the, the pictorial Bible called <laughs> this huge ass tome. He Here's drops, one of them lectern Bibles. You know, like the fucking Dave Vermees Mysteries or something like that. <laughs> and, and, and thuds it down in front of him. But the look that passes over Taylor Zodka's face when he said, like, I want to give you something. And he first puts down the Bible and she has this like trying to smile politely to like, oh, but she's thinking, oh, fuck. The whole <laughs> just her smile in that scene. Her whole performance in that dinner scene is is great. And, yeah. But just that little smile she had was was the biggest laugh for me in the whole thing. To Just to talk about Jeremy Gardner a little bit some more. I mentioned before his performance really made the film for me. Everybody was good. Uh, he's just, I, you know, I inherently like Jeremy Gardner. I have since, you know, the battery and after midnight, whatever, but he, he's just given such free reign to be an asshole in this. Yep. Yeah. And I, I honestly think every great actor needs one, at least one role where they're just, just go be as big a shithead as you possibly can be, but do it with a smile on your face. <laughs> and he just. He nails it so well because he, 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 he is an inherently charming guy. Yes. And it, it comes through, even though he's always a little bit disheveled and, you know, a little bit bumbling I, as is a persona in most films. And he's got that in this, but there's such a, an edge. But the edge is buried so deep that it's you, you more sense it's there than it ever actually shows up. Like, cause it, it, there's this vague feeling in this whole time. It's like, yeah, if he turned around and stabbed the shit out of uh, priest Zach Galifianakis, you would be like, all right. And it's just, it's, it's weird to call it a nuanced performance, given half of it is just describing, you know, coming inside somebody, but or whacking it at the window like the kid in House of the Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> it's just right at the window. But he's having so much fun with it, and it just shows that he's just he's just reveling in this, and it really comes through in in the, the overall performance and. and I just it's the the glue that binds the entire film together and again I didn't love the way it kind of gets whacked out and surreal at the end but just he was the the thing that got me there and I, he snorted mama man he snorted yeah. mama oh my god <laughs> that stuff's great it's it's we're talking about like the different reads of it and how you can 
is he the devil or is he is he not and it's and like i said i think the movie does a better job than i expected as i was watching it by the time it got to the end of balancing that for me but it was like like my read on it is personally is is like i'm going the supernatural route that he is the devil because it's more fun to think that jeremy gartner is playing the devil yes you know and and there's you know bits and pieces that lead you there you know i I will say there was one thing that decided me quintessentially he's the devil Mm -hmm. and that's the fact that her belly goes from flat to like nine months in a night (laughs) and that's not delusional because at the end of the film she still got it so I'm like, okay, so if, if like the insto pregnancy is a given, then something definitely supernatural is going on here was my take. Yeah, you could. If I, I yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't trust anything in the film, so I think it's it's a little bit more I mean, don't get me wrong. Up for debate. What one could argue that they've been there nine months and like he's just gone insane. I get that. But that seemed more That's a lot of Sunday squad emails. <laughs> that seemed more far-fetched than the, just the, he's the devil which is funny yeah. to say well, well, also, <laughs> like the, the final shot of her walking out of the house which is horrific but the visual image of her walking out and you know the pace at which she's doing it i mean you, you could read it as you know she's horrified and everything but but also what it visually harkens back to is the opening sequence with the parishioners after the service and as they're leaving and, you know, he's saying, you know, thank you for coming. Do you need me to salt down your driveway? Oh, it's my favorite newlyweds. And we know none of those folks were real based on the narrative of the film. So it's the gate at which she leaves is very much the gate because those people don't acknowledge Father David as they're leaving. They don't look in his direction and they all have the same head down, you know, kind of slow gate out. So it's very much a visual parallel. So that kind of offsets on a sort of the that the fact that that was necessarily an absolute, like as far as her pregnancy, when I saw it, you can go either way on it. Yeah. Mostly I got distracted with the, the pregnancy stuff because we, like with the whole thing of her stomach undulating, like I said, and all of a sudden she's like nine months and all this, because I, I saw a movie not too long ago that I really want to do on the pod at some point, but y'all are going to kill me called seating of a ghost. There's visual symmetry to some stuff in here. So I'm very curious. I'm intrigued. Eric Pennykoff, if you're listening, whether or not any of that was a callback to the movie Seating of a Ghost from Shaw Brothers in like 1983 or whenever it came out. Well, look, I, I'd be down to watch it just to have some other point of reference for that sort of thing than Born, which was what this oh, made me think that's of. That's a fair oh. point. <laughs> so. Oh, Born. That's why you had such an issue with the demon. <laughs> why? It's like, it was born flashbacks. So I'm really the only one who thought about born when watching this, huh? All right. Well, I guess that's no. I mean, I got, I had the omen. I had demon seed. I, I have Rosemary's baby. You know, you got so many other avenues to go with, seed. right? Even demon seed. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, those are comedies. Well. Yeah, no, I, I thought about Born a couple of times during this film, which, you know, never makes me feel good. And I feel like it's not a, a nice way to compare the film because they're not similar, for sure. But there's not they're, commentary on the film. I don't think of Born all that often. I think of it every now and again when I ever see a Capri Sun. It's the main thing that makes me think of Born. <laughs> Ravens, nature's Capri Suns. <laughs> I forgot about that. Did you forget that? about that? That's your bitch. <laughs> I did. At some point, we're going to put a shirt up on T Public that's just a raven with a straw sticking out of it, and just nature's caprice on. <laughs> I, I posted the the gif of that on Instagram of her her basically drinking that raven, and it was our most liked post of all time. 
<laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Allison Bree basically deep throating a raven. Yeah, folks who haven't seen it just made yeah, Born is a direct to video uh omen esque movie with Allison Bree is being impregnated by a demon. And it's, it's Allison Bree's <laughs> first movie. Yeah. Which is and why we watched it's it. From like two thousand seven something. Yeah, we we covered that way back in year one, but it's yeah, not it's, reason enough. As a caveat to note, we are not recommending you go watch No, 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 Just give it context on what it's, it is. It exists. We watched it. You can listen to our episode on it. I recommend that very highly. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily track that one down. Uh, this is much better than Born. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but there are some similarities to some of the shots with the pregnancy. That, that, that just are. It might be unfortunate, but it's true. I would reference any mine before born. <laughs> Never seen enemy mine. The scene where Taylor Zotka taps her stomach and zombies. Zombies. <laughs> zombies. <laughs> oh, of course, I, I also, I liked born more than you two. So yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. You get the big nickel. <laughs> I said that at work the other day, and it was like, nobody's going to understand what the fuck I just said. <laughs> I was like, that's why you give me the big nickel. And my boss was like, sure, whatever. Stop talking to me, you know. My line at work says, this is why they pay me the medium bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't watch Born, but do seek out the making of featurette on the uh, DVD, because that's incredible. Yeah, if you can drag it down, I don't, I don't know. At the time we recorded it, it wasn't streaming anywhere. I don't know if that's changed, yeah. but... <laughs> a little loopy tonight it's all that cajun food for me man i'm gonna stress that we we said at the onset <laughs> early on that you should watch this movie because even though we've had enormous tangents on the ice harvest and born <laughs> i do want to stress you should watch the leech we very much enjoyed this oh, yeah. one. the leech it, is it, where it's, it's been a rough month and like i mentioned it's funny that we, we're ending the year with the descent into madness much like the freddy's nightmares episode <laughs> <laughs> or the leech or the leech yeah. i'm just gonna start wrapping gauze around my head this is all very meta folks by the end of this we're gonna be uh you know i don't know humming the fucking when the saints go marching in while eric screams in a corner and Nick is, you know, <laughs> dancing to uh, disco beats, which you can't see because we're not a video podcast, and <laughs> which is a real shame because Eric's got some great props. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, Nick is in a blank white room that might or may not be an asylum at this point, and uh, you know, I'm in I'm in my my recording studio with black and red checkers behind me, and Eric is just a visual tableau of cool art behind him, including the "I Want to Ascend" poster from the Rustic Films store, available at rustic.film/shop. But yeah, no, look, I, I like The Leech. I did enjoy it. It's it's a trip. It, it hit me a little funny, given the nature of my life when I watched it. But I will definitely watch it again. Okay. It's something I like. Look, it. I'm not kidding. I, everybody's good in this. Everybody's good in this. But being a Jeremy Gardner fan going into this, I would throw it up there. Just is one of my favorite of his performances. It's not like an emotional performance, like in After Midnight or even the battery, but it is a very good darkly comedic performance. Like this this guy's got chops and it drives me fucking nuts that he is not a bigger directing thing. Yeah. and in, you know, so much more yeah stuff out there. Cause like I don't understand how you watch or see him in anything and not go like give this guy all of the money. Like it just it makes no sense to me. 
and and Graham Skipper too. And and um, yeah, let's say if we didn't shout out Graham Skipper before, I mean, we we mentioned Taylor Zodka. I mentioned she's great. You know, I'm glad to see her acting more and more. And yeah, Graham Skipper is really good. I mean, it's a part that one of the interesting things about the movie is the the tonal balance it's trying to go for. Like a lot of that stuff, it's like depending on how you play it, just looking at how it is on the page. Metaphorically, I didn't. Unfortunately, I don't have the script for this, so I couldn't do a script read of it. But I'd love to read it at some point. But like the approach to it, it's one of those you can. Which way do you want to skew in terms of how you're balancing the dark elements of it versus the comedic? Like you could cut some of the more ad libby lines out, and you could have a much darker, much you know more straight horror movie version of this film if you wanted to. And so it's, I, I like going through and seeing how they balance that tone. And Graham Skipper is a big component of that. I mean, aside from Jeremy Gardner being Jeremy Gardner, I think Graham Skipper does a really good job the, the way he sort of spirals and unravels at the end and making it entertaining and making it feel not to me, I thought, you know, sufficiently dark, not too dark, but plenty dark. And the music's a big part of that too. I love that there's all these scenes, which is if you just look at like the colors in so many scenes, aside from when they do like the big red and green lighting and some of the more overtly supernatural sequences, like you mentioned, the big surreal sequence later, but when they're not doing these big Jalo-esque like lighting pops, every other scene, the colors are so muted and like everything is, yeah. and like the scene with them in the car, everything is so dark and it's so played down. And so it's visually, everything is so, let's say drab, but yeah, it's, it's so deliberately muted to make the, the red green stuff pop as, yep. you know, as they go through. So you have these visually dark and sort of darkly played or very somberly played at, at times scenes. And the music is very hallmark, you know, doop, 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 you know, plucking strings yep. and very, and so it's an interesting contrast. I thought, I thought the music actually did a good job of, again, this is a movie where, so this isn't that we just did something in the dirt of, uh, few episodes ago which was a covid movie with an incredibly small cast which is what this is it's a covid movie with an incredibly small cast and done well like i said these are great where it's just people we talked again you just get a bunch of good actors in a place with a solid script and have them talk and you're gonna really work magic if you don't have good actors and you don't have a good script it can be absolutely insufferable so this is not that and Correct. so i was I, I thought they did a good job kind of hitting all the thematic points that that it felt like they were looking to hit and like I said, I thought they did a really good job at the balance of humor and horror in it. I, I would agree. It's a hell of a ride. It is just top to bottom. You know, it, it starts off just really like setting you up and then it just like takes off. <laughs> once once all three of them are in the house, it, it starts getting fun. And it definitely went in directions I did not expect. And I am happy I watched it. Oh, good. It's interesting you mentioned the other COVID films we did with the small cast because it's starting to feel like We've kind of watched them sort of seasonally, like the summer one was Revealer. Yeah, I, I was. The I was going to bring Revealer was something up. in the dirt, and now we've got our Christmas movie, which is the the lead. Yeah, another COVID small cast COVID movie about sort of religious hypocrisy. Like I said, I'm a sucker for that sort of thing, and that was another crime movie I was trying to think of earlier, which we have talked on the pod that we need to make Nick watch Glovich Killer. Oh, yeah. Which I think is on Shutter now, so it counts as horror. close enough. That's horror enough that I feel like we could viably cover that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what we should do? We should do a triple feature of Clovich Killer, Kid Detective, and The Summer of 84. Yeah, Summer of 84 has come up before. Yeah, we've definitely talked about doing it. Speaking of another like thriller movie that I watched, that I was reminded of in watching this was, so when I was watching stuff for our Wicker Man episode, which we did a couple episodes ago, I watched a movie that was 
also written by Anthony Schaffer, who wrote that movie. And the movie's called Absolution. And it's a thriller from, I think it was like 1978, something like that. It stars Richard Burton. And so like broad spoilers on Absolution on the off chance anyone's ever heard of it or is curious about it. Skip ahead. This is just a broad thing. The concept of Absolution is Richard Burton is a priest at a Catholic school. He's very stone-faced. He's very grumpy. And he's very ardent about adhering to, you know, everything by the book, follows his religious doctrine to the letter. And these kids at this school realize that as a byproduct of that, they start to take advantage of the sanctity of the confessional booth. And like the whole thing is, is like, well, we can go in and we can say crazy shit to him. And we have anonymity because he's not supposed to know who said it. And also he's such a, a religious diehard that he can't do anything about it unless he does something himself. So if we go and confess to something like abysmal, he can't go to the cops because he would be breaking the sanctity of the confessional where he can't, you know, he's very much. So they go in and the first thing they do is they say, Hey, we killed somebody. And here's where he buried his body and all this. And so Richard Burton's like, Oh shit. And he has to go on his own and go out and find, and it's a prank. But then the movie keeps escalating and it keeps spiraling. And it's, they, they keep going in and confessing to these things and driving him to the brink of madness because he's trying to grapple with, all these awful things and he's in and you know because of the constrictions of his religion he can't do anything about it except try to investigate it himself he said it's anthony schaffer who did sleuth and the wicker man so it has a similar game mentality or game setup to it where it's this mind game that's being played throughout it but i thought about it because so the whole crux of that is someone who's absolutely adhering to to the letter of the sanctity of the confession booth whereas in this film one of the things i loved is so early so early into Lexi's appearance at the house and father David is already starting to hint at, you know, Oh, we've met. So another fun way of seeping in, you know, again, the, the hypocrisy and, you know, the religious double standard and, and the non adherence to any sort of you know ethical code. Hmm. That's I'm going to have to look that one up. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, It sounds really good. It's not great, but it's Richard Burton's really into it. Uh, and it's it's a fun watch. If you like Billy Connolly, there's a really young Billy Connolly in it. So. Really? Yeah, I didn't see Billy Connolly in anything like pre-Mrs. Brown, which was like, what was that, like 96, 97? So this was like a 1978 Billy Connolly with like all bright and like no gray. It was like, oh, shit. Wow. All right. I One thing I kept thinking of during this film, and I made a little crack about it before, is Graham Skipper's kind of resembles Zach Galifianakis. And I recently rewatched The Hangover, the first one not too long ago. And I still think it's funny. Problematic, but I can't help it. It's just funny sometimes. And watching this, one of the things I kind of thought of afterwards is that that struck me as sort of like, what happened if Zach Galifianakis' character from The Hangover didn't meet his friends? How would he have ended up? <laughs> oh, wow. I'm a lone wolf with no flock. <laughs> yeah, but there's some similarities to the way that the, the, yeah. the, 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 there's certain amount of crazy in both of those characters, and I, I couldn't help but note again because I'm talking about like like a week and a half ago I watched The Hangover. I was trying to watch anything funny to put me in a good mood. I feel bad that The Hangover was one of those choices, but it was like on. So uh, that's that's my <laughs> only defense. You should watch L.A. Story. This episode is based around other movies we stumbled upon, like Killer Joe. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know for for a Christmas movie, yeah, that was great. I I thought this was a good choice for our episode. I was I was glad we did it. Okay, good. 
I'm glad we did it. Yay. That's a good, that's a relief because we hadn't talked about it until going into this. But when I first saw it, I was like, all right, if I think there's good odds that like someone's going to hate it, something is like, all right, let's all watch it first. This was one where I, I was reasonably comfortable. I was like, I don't think anyone's going to just, I think everyone will like this to varying degrees. So I'm glad that right, was I accurate. When you, when you thought one of us would hate it, that's how we decided on the films. <laughs> no. Jake is going to lose his shit over this. Let's watch it twice. That reminds me. I have some suggestions for new episodes. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> so that's what I do when I pick my movies for our various polls. But <laughs> Which one of these is going to make Jake's eye twitch for two and a half hours? For the record, I did not do that with our Robert Englund poll, which we're going to talk a little bit about more when, <laughs> at the end of this episode. But no, I... Lord, I go into everything wanting to like what we watch, and and I I am usually doubly so moody. with the Elm Street remake, as you said. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I was I was hoping I would love it. I didn't, but I was hoping I would love it just to <laughs> That'd really have a fight. Although I did like it more than both of you, so yeah, yeah, that conversation was heated enough without you liking it. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to our most recent Elm Street episode, folks. It's it's pretty good. I, you know what? That came up in my regular life this week. Look, we're getting into some deep non sequitur stuff, but I'm not. I'm just going to stop apologizing at this point. <laughs> I was I was in Captain Blue Hens, our our comic book shop. Shout out Captain. Shout Blue out Hens, Captain Blue Hens. You should buy a lot of Christmas presents. Yeah, um, even though I guess this will probably air after Christmas, so you're already too late. Buy stuff from them year but, round. Yeah, just whatever. Buy shit. They're they're awesome. One of the people that works there had recently mentioned uh, that HBO would White Lotus on HBO. Yeah. And they were watching it. And I, I had been interested because I see a lot of people talk about it. And they followed up and asked if I had seen it. And I hadn't watched it yet. But he, he was starting to tell he was telling me, oh, do you like this person? Do you like that person? Do you like this other person? And he mentioned Connie Britton. Connie Britton is in White Lotus. And, says, and Connie Britton says, oh, I like Connie Britton. I just saw her in something. It took me five minutes. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, right. The uh, the Freddy, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I was like, oh, I heard people hated that. And I'm like, let me tell you, buddy. And I mentioned, you listen to our episode. He's like, oh, you have a podcast? And I'm like, how did you not know? <laughs> so a lot of that going around this week. People, oh, yeah, this movie. Come on, man. You realize you had just seen Connie Britton in something, and then you realized what it was, and then you said, oh, uh, no, no, I didn't. And they said, wait a minute, you just said you saw Connie Britton in something. And I said, no, I didn't. And they said, you're lying to me. And I said, I'm not lying to you. You said, you're lying to me. I said, I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to our Elm Street episode for context on that bit. Like the, the one scene where Connie Britton actually gets to emote is the most nonsensical bullshit. About. Oh, it's great. <laughs> she spent five straight minutes lying and insisting the whole time. I'm not lying to you. I'm just lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, should we should we put some like non depressing Christmas content on here? What's what's your five favorite Christmas songs? <laughs> uh, theme to the ice harvest. Uh, <laughs> the love theme from the ice storm. I, I like the the bells one. What's that called? Carol of the bells. Yeah, I like I like Carol of bells. I like Twelve Pains of Christmas. I like Mama got ran over the, by the reindeer. That's three. Oh God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Jingle bells is always a classic. That's three. No, it's four. <laughs> <laughs> And um, Silent Night. Warm side of the door. Warm side of the door. Ah, oh, that was a good choice. Warm side of the door. I did not Eric, say warm you're side. up. 
warm side of the door five times, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, give me a second while I pull up the, the soundtrack to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, <laughs> Snow Axe. Uh, <laughs> Often Father O'Brien. That's a scene. <laughs> Erotic Dreams. Oh, that, that's a classic. <laughs> you see, that's the score. You got to go to the Morgan Ames one. That's what I was trying to find. I was like, where the fuck is this? Oh, there they are. Santa's watching. All right, yeah, yeah. Wait, which one's Christmas flu? I remember Santa's watching. Santa's, Santa's watching is the creepy Santa's one. Oh, I caught Mama kissing Santa Claus. That's a good one. Oh, I went for Christmas, my two front teeth. That's another one. There you go. I'm to think of every song I can think of now. <laughs> I just sang in a Christmas choral choir one year and, and all of Christmas standards, like, you know, a holy night and all that stuff. So I, I burned through a lot of affection for Christmas classics, having to sing them ad nauseum in, in retirement homes and places for one year. So I, was like, I had my fill. Uh, for my money, it's the fairy tale of New York by the Pogues, Chris and McNichol. Xmas time. It sure doesn't feel like it by the Mighty Mighty Boston's Xmas by Jesse Mallon. The Warm Side of the Door by Morgan Ames, of course. And uh, another Christmas song by Jethro Tull. And I can't tell if any of that's basic or not, but I will occasionally I have a list of just my favorite Christmas songs that I put on, you know, they're kind of rock, punk, not all of them. Some of them is Bob Dylan singing, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I'm pretty sure my wife hates every single song on it, except the Snoopy one, ah. which is Snoopy's oh. Christmas, you know, the Red Baron, which I love. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, occasionally, if I put it on random, it'll start with that. And Jen's like, oh, this is nice. And then it goes into all of my bullshit. And she's like, come on, man. Fucking put on Silent Night. Something. Christmas doesn't have to be depressing. So... Boy, this is some Freddy New Nightmare ass episode. Ain't Isn't it, it? appropriate? <laughs> and we liked like this it. one. <laughs> like I was the only one who, who actually liked some parts of the Freddy's Nightmares pilot. <laughs> but I, I liked it when the like credits rolled. Like I said, this year has some weird ass symmetry. We're ending the year as we started it. But well, look, it, it's been a long year. It hasn't been much. the best of years. By it's been a long stretch. couple weeks coming into this. Hence, you know, part of our Elm Street yeah. episode running behind. It's been a long couple weeks. Yeah, we are not bounding into the end of this year with glory. We are crawling across the desert looking for some fucking water coming into the end of this one. But I, I'll say that the highlight and one of the highlights throughout the year, one of the things that's really kept me going has been this podcast and, and you guys. Hey. Love you and too, I, boo. I mean very sincerely that it's been a big important thing i've loved working on it with you and by of course working on it, i mean making eric do all the work and coming in occasionally <laughs> trying to make some jokes not true but yeah it, it has been a highlight and and all of the the wonderful guests we've had on yeah from friends and people who are now friends i hope and, and just it's really been terrific and pretty special and i, I can't wait to move into year three as we move on into the what we're going to call our children of the corn year Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> Even if we don't do it, fucking children of the corn year. Why? Because fuck it. We can do whatever we want. It's our podcast. Go to hell. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just wanted to make sure I said that. You know, And uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Just you two. Nobody else, but just you two. <laughs> and our guests. I love you guys. I love doing this podcast. This is definitely something I look forward to every month or multiple times a month. Thank God. We always have a blast. I love the things we touch on. You guys are the best. I love being able to keep in touch with you. And of course, our guests as well. You guys introduced me to some of the neatest people in circles I may not have found in on my own. So this has been a very fulfilling podcast for me, and I appreciate you all. Thank you. We'll make a comic reader out of you next. 
We might be, yeah, we, we, might, we might be doing a pod episode on one. We've talked about doing one on a series that's about to wrap up. So yeah, we'll see. But springing off what you guys just said, we've done this, I think, every year, the last couple of Christmas episodes. I do want to run down real quick a big thank you to all of our guests from 2022. You know, we've had uh, Michelle Swope, who was our guest on After Midnight. John Lees joined us for Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Erica Henderson for Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Child, Alex Segura for Moon Knight, Michael Morisi for Revealer, which he co-wrote, Matt Johnson for The Thing, we had Daniel Krauss on for Come True, Jake made your brother Jer on for Constantine, oh, that's a memorable yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. We had, that was the episode people have most mentioned to me since. <laughs> At Captain Blue Hens, I imagine they have. Everybody I know who listened to that was like, so, Jake, how you doing? <laughs> After that was Magnetic Rose, Ben Collins, and Luke Piotrowski. Then New Nightmare, Cynthia Palaio. Trevor Henderson joined us for Cure. Jane yeah. DeMattis joined us for Something Wicked This Way Comes. We mentioned earlier in this episode, Dwayne Swierzynski joined us for Lord of Illusions. We had Dave Lawson Jr. come back on for Something in the Dirt. And lastly, we had Kevin Scott join us for Wicker Man. But even before this year, I say this every year, but it, it needs to be repeated. We have been so ridiculously blessed with fantastic guests. Hell yeah. And can't thank them enough. And so big thanks to all of them. Big thanks to all our fellow podcasters who've supported us. You know, so many other great horror pods out there, but, but first and foremost, well, big, you guys, Jake and Nick, I love you both dearly. You know that and happy holidays, both of you, but mainly a big thank you to everyone listening to this. Yes. Who supported our pod. It, It means a lot to us. It means a lot to us that you take the time. Sincerely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Know that if you're hearing our words right now, we love you. (laughs) <laughs> unless chair's listening which oh yeah me. screw that <laughs> <laughs> with one exception although I, I i will say i also want to shout out my wife jen i reference her a lot on this she supports the pod incredibly she only occasionally judges me for watching the movies we watch and um i just want to give a special shout out to her because she's obviously my wife and a big part of my life absolutely jen's fabulous we love jen and she doesn't listen to the pod which is best for both of us <laughs> I'm going to jump in and just say a shout out to Hannah as well, who has been a huge supporter for me with this and has actually been on the pod herself for an episode. And uh, yeah, the people in our lives have been a huge help with this. Yeah. And, and the people, you know, that I, I know listen to like Fred, who's been on the pod for our purge episode, listens to every episode and watches the movies. So it's, it's neat. Poor bastard. Randy, who <laughs> listens to every episode, doesn't watch the movies. Uh, and has mentioned that he misses us going through the plot beat by beat because now he has to occasionally read the plots to understand what we're talking about. <laughs> and we used to help him with that. And, you know, just, just everybody. Eric Remington, who listens and, and often comments and makes suggestions, and we do appreciate that, too. Connell, if you're still out there, we miss you, and we hope you're doing all right. Absolutely. And, yeah, just just everybody who listens, everybody who takes the time, and everybody who you know, has mentioned it to us and, you know, supported us. I ran into somebody who, who knew the podcast and recognized my voice from it. And I, I've never really recovered from that moment. And I mean, debt wise, cause I went out and bought a Lamborghini and that turns out to not have been the best choice. Uh, <laughs> cause I wasn't quite as famous as I thought from that encounter, but, um, help please sponsor us. Please. I'm in so much debt. <laughs> But seriously, I, I mean, we could go all night talking about the, the folks. There's lots of people on Twitter who, who retweet and shout us out. And yeah, we, we really do it. Every retweet, every email we get, every comment, you know, we, we don't get a ton of reviews because nobody reviews anything anymore. But 
you know, those those retweets, those likes, that, that means a lot. When when people comment on our our Instagram, that you know, oh yeah, it, it just I, you know, because we we do this, and you know, we do it in large part because we love talking to each other about horror movies, and it's fun to do. But that that interaction with y'all and that sort of validation that that people enjoy what we're doing is it really helps a lot. Keep going. Uh, and keeps Eric, you know, chained to the desk like we do. We only really let him out like two hours a week. He doesn't see the sun much. This is this is really bad, people. We're 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 horrible capitalists, Snick and I, and we don't even make any money. This is just sadism at its core. You know, I'll be out there on the disc golf course. I better check in, make sure Eric is not doing anything fun right now. Uh. <laughs> no, and and like I said, we appreciate so much the the effort you put into the podcast. It, I think Absolutely. it sounds great every episode. I listen to a lot of other podcasts and the production that you put into this makes me so mad at other podcasts when I listen to them. <laughs> Even like, like I'll be listening to the ones like ESPN podcasts. I'm like, come on, what are you even doing here? <laughs> Does somebody fall asleep at the switch? What is this shit? And you know, and then I listen to ours and it's pristine. And I, given how much Nick and I go, ah, and you know, and what, and, and you know, all these noises <laughs> Eric's got to <laughs> cut out that he probably hears in his sleep. Oh man! So yeah, so all right, that's enough gushing out of me or half gushing. It's a Christmas tradition, and <laughs> we've done yeah. it three years in a row now. So I just, it just, it can't be said enough. And and this is so much fun and it's so rewarding. And again, all of those interactions, all of your hard work, Eric, uh, Nick, you're fine. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, that, that's high praise. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Nick, Nick and I are well aware that Eric is the, the league leader in like home runs and RBIs and Nick and I are replacement level players. But man, we appreciate the coattail ride. I, I am the laugh track at best. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're not a video podcast is I have one of those like applause lights that I turn on every time I want Nick to laugh. <laughs> we can't be, we have to stay audio only. We can't let people see behind the curtain. <laughs> Beautiful girls. You can't let them back there, Will. They mustn't see. <laughs> it's a reference only I'm going to get maybe one other list. I got it. I, I got it. I love that, that fucking movie. They mustn't see. It's, we could keep going but yeah big thank you to everyone for the support and yeah, we appreciate everything we hope you've enjoyed this discussion as rambly as it was we very much enjoyed the film so again yeah if you haven't checked out the movie for whatever reason we definitely encourage you to do so maybe don't watch it with your family on christmas eve though yeah maybe yeah not on the holiday <laughs> but <laughs> no. but no this is an, an indie film you know similar to something in the dirt this is another small crew this very much feels like the make movie with friends mentality that rustic films has espoused this is another indie horror film that is obviously you know has a lot of passion behind it and and a lot of investment with the folks involved so please go support them by giving the film a rental or purchase or like i said buy the blu-ray blu-ray is great has all the chattanooga stuff put that on your radar too for 2023 the chattanooga film festival has really really been terrific i think they're still remote for next year so it's not like you have to go in person you can just stream in your house but so yeah, we we'll see what 2023 brings. I will say what it'll bring in terms of us, which is probably going to be nothing for a couple weeks. Like I mentioned, we we've had a rough couple months. We've got some narrow lead time on recordings versus release at the moment. So, we're going to keep recording some stuff, but it'll probably be a little bit before 
the next episode comes out, which is what we did this year too. We didn't have anything in January of 2022. We might have our next one out in January, 2023, but rest assured we are going to be recording. We're just going to get some more buffer time. And also it's, we're right on the cusp of the holiday right now. So everyone's going to go off, enjoy time with their families. And then, you know, said shake off of the, the awfulness of a lot of 2022. And then, you know, hopefully come into 2023 reinvigorated. Yeah. Here's, here's open for better things. Here's open. Well, I can say what our first movie is going to be that we're going to do, which is the winner of our Robert Anglin poll. The winner ended up being Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Yay! Vernon. Ooh. Which, despite what we talked about earlier, no, I did not put that on there deliberately because I thought Jake would hate it. So. <laughs> Actually, I, I've wanted to watch this one for years because Nick has talked it up quite a bit. And I haven't I learned my it. lesson about the movies that Nick has talked up yet. Yeah, no, there's, <laughs> I haven't revisited it in a while, but there's going to be there's a lot to talk about with this one. So that's going to be our next one. It's just a little ribbon on the end of our Elm Street retrospective, which was basically all of 2022 or the end of 2021 even. So then after that, we've got some other stuff coming up. When we do our Behind the Mask episode, we'll announce kind of the next longer term thing that we'll be doing, whatever that may be. And 2023 will probably be similar to 2022 in which it'll be peppered throughout with with one-offs and, you know, just kind of sting things as they come up, like The Leech, which is a brand new release. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited, though, for the things we have talked about doing for next year. I'm so delighted, again, with all the guests we had on for 2022. In, in that respect, 2022 is a wonderful year. And, yeah. yeah, again, thank everyone so much. We will be back soon-ish with, with another episode. In the meantime, again, thank you so much for listening. This is Eric signing off and saying happy holidays. This is Nick saying... I am the wolf among the sheep. I don't even know how to follow that. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this is Jake saying. Merry Word, you're going to follow it up with another bit for the movie with just a gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jake saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> That would be a great bit, but maybe a little bit much. Maybe for our Christmas episode. <laughs> as dark as this movie. <laughs> we love everybody. Blam! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Twist ending. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try this again. <laughs> This is Jake saying Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Happy holidays to everybody. I hope it's been a good holiday season. I hope you've had, you know, you and yours if you have them. I hope everybody's doing all right. And uh, best wishes from from us and from me. Absolutely. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. Blam! Damn!